Hey, this is Darren Dunstan, a.k.a. Maximilian Pegasus, among others, and you're watching the Points of Experience podcast. If you've been watching this podcast, you've probably heard Darren's name come up a handful of times because he truly is one of the nicest and sincere and greatest people in this voiceover industry. Um, I've had the pleasure to work with Darren uh, a couple of times, and uh, I talk about this in the episode, but he really set the bar for what I have experienced in terms of working with someone who is good at their job as a voice director. And it's kind of an interesting position. You know, there's no... Uh, like you can't really look up a, a course um, in a college or really online. I'm sure people offer it to a certain degree. I've seen them pop up now, but especially in previous years, there's no like how to become a voice director. Um, and to find someone like Darren who, you know, started off being an actor and fell into this voice directing and he does it so well. Um, he shares a lot about his story and, and why some of those qualities that he has um, have lent to him being a great voice director. His way of speaking with talent is really unparalleled. Um, I've never felt more safe and welcomed and excited as an actor than to to work with someone like him, even on the few amount of times that we we have. But he's really one of the greatest. He's worked on uh, voice directed Yu-Gi-Oh for, you know, we're, we're almost at 20 years or close to 20 years now. Um, and obviously being the voice of Maximilian Pegasus, a lot of people know and have appreciated his work as an actor. And that understanding of his acting comes across when he's directing. He he is very invested in the material and making nuanced and memorable choices. Um, he's also worked on Pokemon voice directing, a bunch of other various series, um, and he's just really a great human being. So uh, this is going to be one of those episodes where if you're interested in pursuing either a, a world of or a career in acting, voice acting, or voice directing, get your pen and paper out because um, I think he's one of the best that we got right now. This is the moment where you all hit that like button and you subscribe and you leave a review. If you're so inclined, if you've been enjoying the episodes, let us know. Please let us know. We want to know. Give us the feedback. But it allows more people to find uh, these episodes more easily and hopefully inspire other people. So thank you. And here we go. Darren Dunstan on the Points of Experience podcast. So, Darren, first of all, thank you again for coming on to do this podcast. Uh, I, I really do appreciate it. I was saying, you know, you're someone who I've been wanting to have on for a while. You are a name that has come up frequently in just praise from people oh, yeah. in this industry. It's <laughs> like, oh, wait, what's the bad news here? Uh, no, and, and from myself as well. Um, we've only gotten to work together on a handful of occasions, but those times that I've worked with you, I knew that you were somebody who really, as from a directing standpoint, you really get it unlike many other directors that I've worked with. You you understand the project and each person, I have to assume, I, I've experienced this for myself, each person's character as well, if not better than they do, which only helps the actor. Like I've, I always felt like you were giving me tools to help me um, uh. at, at moments or like ideas or, or various ways of looking at things. And I was just like, when we worked together for the first time or the handful of times that we did, I was just like, I was excited because I was always like, if I'm ever unsure, I knew that you were going to have a suggestion or a note or a direction to point me in to make it better. And yeah. uh, I really appreciated that from, from working with you. So this is just a thank you for that. 
that's the that's the fun of the gig. It's like you you kind of do have to come to the table with an with a concept or an idea or how you how you think it's going to go, and yeah. then is the maybe even the harder part is like letting go when the actors come up with something that's better than what you did or you know what i mean sure. to be input as well and to find find that balance plus the other 10 people that are listening in on the session and have their opinions too right yeah <laughs> that's got to be a, a very interesting to, to navigate and i'm sure we'll get into this down the line but where you um i feel like for you who is an actor and you really understand i, I just get the sense from you maybe i'm wrong but you really digest a lot of the material and i feel like you have a really great understanding as a director where things should go and how to get actors there because you yourself can put yourself in that scenario versus like in other uh, for other situations where certain directors don't act or in other mediums of directing they don't necessarily function like a, a, a an actor would so right. does that ever kind of hinder you when you're like somebody else is making a choice or a suggestion and you're like i just don't know if that's the right one <laughs> yeah i mean there, there there's obviously more than one way to read a line you know there there's a there's a lot of um cooks at times you know what i mean um yeah. but it's about you know i do have to sort of go into the to the script knowing every single sort of objective for each character you know you kind of and you, as you know the more and more scripts you get your hands on the more the quicker it becomes like oh they're saying that because of that and i'll probably want them to be sort of calculating there or fake sweet there you know what i mean to to kind of have that in your head um and then yeah go with the curveballs where where um either the actor like i said pivots to something different or the team had something different in mind or the animators know that it's not going to look like that and then you know and then we find um the other tweaks and you, you know you, you mentioned that my background is acting and theater and like um i absolutely love being able to talk that language with people people who mm. talk actor speak and like <laughs> i don't know if you went to school for for acting or what, what i your... did yeah i went to nyu i was i was oh, the conservatory cool. now yeah yeah, like, as you know, like, within those how many years that you're there, like, you are just flying through script after script after page after page and just learning to make really impulsive decisions, partially because you got the script at the last second and partially because you didn't look at it to the last, to the last <laughs> second. You know, and that's exactly what this gig is. It's like yeah. getting the script the day of or the night before and being just analyzing the crap out of it as, as fast as you can and trusting your instincts, right? That's a huge part of it. I think a lot of people, when they start out, they don't trust their instincts. I've definitely been there, even having done it so long. I'm like, should I? Am I really the person that should be trusting myself right now? I feel like, but but that's why when I work with someone like you, I know even when if I have those moments of self doubt for any reason, it's great to know that you're working with someone who's there to support you and yeah. not make you feel insecure about any choices that you've made, but just just bolster them, or even because yeah. you know, as an actor, you want to take risks and you want to make bold choices. And a lot of the times they're not going to be right for the project for one reason or another. But you want right. to know that like, OK, but that might have led to something else. And I think you have a very really good like um, you have a really good back and forth with the way you speak with actors. And I just always appreciate that. And I, does that just come from having been doing this for so long or has it come from being an actor like where did yeah. you really get an understanding of how to communicate with talent of all different um backgrounds or experience 
Right. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I, when I first started voice directing, uh, which was like 2003 or something, I sat in with, um, the guy who was, uh, directing you, the original Yu-Gi-Oh at the time. And you just, you kind of like learn the ropes from them. And then, and then you kind of start to, to get to personalize it, you know, like, um, to, to, to shape it into what your stamp on it is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think part of my, I'm from a huge family of teachers, like pretty much everyone except me as a, is a teacher. And I guess I kind of am a teacher too. Like I teach voiceover class. So I guess there's that it, it's sort of in me and they, like, I, I would watch, you know, my dad was a choir conductor and I would, you know, be in his choir and watch him work and just that it was tactful and it was positive and, you know, he didn't use negatives and, um, he found a way to be, um, controlling is the wrong word in control, but <laughs> with a little bit of leeway, you know? And so, yeah, kind of just strike that balance and the crazy stuff about this gig is that it's it's different from person to person you know like mm. like um the the sessions we did together like um i don't know if i googled you or i i knew who who what your story was kind of, you know what I mean? Like I knew that you were experienced in this. And so for you, when we do our sessions and when you would, you know, there'd be a whole bunch of like Walla, like reacts or stuff to add. Like I, I, I gave you more breadth than I would give other people. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. You you aren't new to this. And like, I knew we could just sort of put, I remember I put you in record for a long stretch for like 20 seconds of jumping and hit and diving and, and like, yeah, I have thought, who is this lazy, crazy guy? But like, I, I, you nailed it in one take. Like, there's barely anything we tweaked about it because because that's your experience. Yeah. And like, why wouldn't I let you? That's what's fun about acting. Have the wind in your hair, and you just bring your instinct, <laughs> like we talked about, um, and, and nail it. Where other people might be like, okay, so this react, they're surprised, and then this react, you're jumping. Like we, yeah. we you know, you got to know who you're, um, you're actors are and what they're where they're coming from that's very important and i and i think that's not something you always have the i imagine you don't always have the liberty to know or understand or research people or um have control of who you're actually working with on the project but i know you've worked in various capacities and i actually want to take a step back now because i you talked about being a teacher and i was reading up on you and i know i know you went to school uh in boston you went for for did you go for music is that what you went to school for to to study was a piano uh, no, so my undergrad was in uh, Toronto in classical music, so like classical voice, okay. um, with sort of a music music education uh, and, and opera combo. And then I knew that I wanted to get like sort of a good singing foundation to then pivot into musical theater. So then Boston was uh, a master's program in musical theater. Um, oh, so, okay. so then, you know, the goal was, you know, move to the city and yeah. do Broadway and all that stuff. <laughs> and then fell, I fell into voiceover and I just was like... A different and an amazing path so crazy pivot right so where so for you starting I mean growing up you said your father was a conductor he was working in an orchestra when did you know that you wanted to have some sort of life in performance were you someone who was involved a lot in the school plays or did you watch a lot of movies like where did the the lust and the love for for performance specifically theater because it sounds like you were moving into musical theater where did that all come from yeah yeah i mean it was always like music 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 for for most of my upbringing my my mom's a pianist my dad's a organist conductor and all that stuff so like music was frankly not optional it was like you're gonna (laughs) piano lessons until you know end of eighth grade and then you can quit if you want. Um, yeah. 
and I kept going. And then, and then high school is kind of where, um, where I discovered musicals and, um, it, it, you know, it was kind of magical. I like, I did audition for the musical in, in grade nine and then I'm watching cabaret and like something clicked and I was like, Oh, I, I want this. <laughs> Luckily I had some great teachers who were really good to me and gave me opportunities. And, and, um, yeah, by then I was kind of, um, bitten by it. And then, um, you know, you know, college, like I said, was was classical music and opera, and and it kind of you know made me realize that I really cared more about the acting end of it than the singing end of it. You know, and like, no insult to opera, but it's like it's definitely music forward. You know, yes. like it's it's you know sometimes very plot thin, and you know there's a it's hard to emote and that sort of thing. And yeah, I just became more and more fascinated by the the acting part and to, to the word now I'm, you know, I, I, I don't sing much anymore. I just, it's, it's very acting centric and I, and I love it. I don't, yeah, it's, it's, it's the path that I, I'm meant to be on. Yeah. <laughs> so where did that I'm a little puzzled by it? But... <laughs> <laughs> it's like you lived this whole life of music. Why do you not want to do this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that story all too well, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I did pre-med before I moved into acting. Which Get was out. Yeah, it was very disappointing to my mom when she was like, why did you do three years of it and then decide you want to become an actor? So, yeah, that was it was an interesting uh, life for me. <laughs> but what was it? What did you say? Sorry. Grades amazing. That's that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I was a good student. Listen, I was a terrible high school student. But when I moved into college, I knew that whatever this was, school and college, I knew that that was like my only way out. You know, you get a real sense once you're like getting like once you started once I started seeing like numbers associated with like my grade, because like in high school, it's just like at the end of the year, you figure out what your number is like your your number 15 or 85 out of a hunt, whatever. And I didn't care in in high school. But when I went to college and I started seeing the bills that I was getting because I was paying basically for myself, I was like, okay, wait a second. This is now or never. So I learned to become a student in college. Just wow. my own funny story. Um, but for for you, what was what was the thing about acting? Was it in a particular play, or was it like a reaction from the audience, or was it an audition, or was it seeing something? Was there a moment you can point to that you really got transfixed by the acting? Yeah, I mean, there's um, there, there's part of the the high school fascination with it. I think was the the storytellingness of it all, you know. And then and then you know Broadway, just the way it's crafted, you know, is is um, catchy and engrossing. And I sort of discovered Stephen Sondheim pretty quickly, and then that was just like an obsession, just like uh, diving into each of his shows. And um, and then more and more, you know, especially towards college where they encourage you to just focus on, you know, sort of the, the outside in experience that it's, that you're feeling things. And and that I became just like so interested in that, that I could relate things from my own life into my performance. And, and even without people knowing, you know what I mean? And you can like infuse, take a song and just infuse it with, um, a completely different life experience, you know, than what the song is actually talking about, but it works and you can, um, hash out your emotions. And like, um, I don't know, we're, 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 I come from a very like, you know, sort of Britishy 
reserved family and and it was just mm. like opening up a a treasure chest of of cool emotional experiences you know and so. freeing i have to imagine that's kind of my my family was very you know we don't talk about feelings we don't have yeah. emotions my dad was a very steely man so uh, right. i i understand that same kind of uh, coming to Jesus moment of like, wait, I can, I can talk about, I, I can experience emotions here. And this is yeah. like praise. It's right. pretty crazy. And people, you know, people are like, well, you do cartoons. Like you, you don't, you obviously don't need to access that stuff anymore, but, but you do, you know, like yes. even within, within action-based shows, like a directed Yu-Gi-Oh forever. Like, yeah, there's the dueling part, but like the, the moments where they're talking to each other and having like a subtle conversation, like I thrive on those moments. I love, that's my favorite part of the episodes. Yeah. The it's people the... watching it probably like the dueling part, but I like the, <laughs> the chit chat and the plumbing, the depth of emotion and stuff like that. But I think that the shows, especially something like Yu-Gi-Oh, which I loved as a kid and I obviously loved your performance. I thought that it was kind of, uh, you know, between the, the Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon and Pokemon, those were kind of revolutionary in terms of the imprints on kids my age at the time. Um, it's the story that keeps people there, but it's the action that m makes you enjoy what the show is. So I think it is those moments, especially from the actor's perspective, because that was kind of the first, I have to believe, and you'll probably know better than I would, like the first real global uh, or uh, at least North American exposure to this type of content on a dubbed level. I felt like it was the Pokemon, the mm. Dragon Ball Z, the Yu-Gi-Oh, the Digimon. Like those were like it was like the start of like uh, this type of content being introduced to this um, Western audience, and yeah. and it was good acting too. It wasn't like the Godzilla dubs for a, 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 yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a, a lack of a better ex uh, example, but it was like yeah. really great acting, and I felt like it was people like you and um, everybody else. In involved in those shows that really uh, elevated and kind of broke through that barrier of, of mm -hmm. people not watching that type of stuff was that were you cognizant of that kind of breakthrough or revolution happening yeah i mean not um you know going into the the, the yugioh world like I, I i knew a little bit about the pokemon world um and yeah. uh, i'll tell you about that in a sec but uh, <laughs> like i i didn't know much about you know, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh or I hadn't watched Pokemon extensively, but what, what, what was, um, I, I directed Pokemon from like seasons six through eight. And like, I learned so much from those actors, those, um, the, the original cast and like, they, they were the ones who sort of like, yeah, were encouraged to take this art form, which like you said, could have been over the top, you know, Godzilla, a bad dub that didn't really match, um, yeah. and in, in, in put their real act, like, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, Veronica who played Ash, like, you know, like a legit actor, like a Shakespearean yeah. series, you know? And like, just, I, I think they blazed the trail and sort of being like, no, 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 this could be like, it could be just like an American cartoon, um, you know, uh, caliber wise, um, sure. but it just happens to be dubbed, you know? So I, I, I attribute a lot of that to them. 
Yeah, so, they. I mean, that t- those those casts. I mean, Veronica specifically. I think that it's so crazy to think about a performance like she had for Ash. I think I don't think Pokemon would be in the same place at that time had she not brought so much of that and connected with kids and audiences and obviously, um, mm-hmm. you know, the directing and every other piece is involved to the puzzle. But it, yeah. it was like lightning in a bottle. God, no pun intended. With uh, <laughs> a freaking Pikachu pun. Are we really here? Uh, <laughs> We would, always, we would always record uh, Veronica first, too, like, um, which is unusual. Usually the schedule is the schedule and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but often, uh, yeah, and uh, she preferred it that way and I preferred it that way. And just like tonally, just like the savviness of, of yeah, yeah, I'm shaping the scene, but she was shaping the scene, too. And knowing like, I think I want this to be like a really sort of like heartfelt, subtle moment. And then here we're just going to let her rip. Like she was kind of, you know. I want to think I was guiding the ship, but I she was there too, just definitely blazing the trail for the other actors to sort of lean into, which was clever. And I think that makes your job. Does it does it make your job even more enjoyable when you know you have somebody who has that great understanding and you're you're there to guide them? And I think it lets you shape everybody else, and especially those people coming in for maybe like a line or an episode to to yeah. like uh, hear what has been done already or to know where things kind of stand quality wise. For sure. Yeah. No, it helps to, to have that. And, um, you know, one of the there's been a lot of good things in the past couple of years like that have come out of COVID as far as records have concerned, sure. are concerned. But that's one of the, the, the less good things, like particularly with Yu-Gi-Oh, my actors don't get to hear hear each other. Um, and until it airs, in fact, and then they're like, yeah. oh, that's what Gavin sounds like. So <laughs> uh, whereas in the studio, yeah, if that character is recorded, you're going to hear it and you can feed off of it. You know, it's a lot of me being like, um, they kind of read it like this, you know, and then yep. getting it done that way. But um, that's it's been one of the disadvantages. I miss uh, that's the thing I loved so much. And it's so funny because when I lived in New York, I was doing the pre-lay group records a lot. In, in or I was doing it a fair amount in New York and I was falling in love with that in terms of voiceover and I was like okay I could really do this being around actors in the same room and recording and then when I moved to LA it like never happened again and even you know working on stuff that's yet to be released and doing kind of uh, networky stuff you know um, I just gotta keep be careful myself here <laughs> doing that type of stuff you know I was like it's such a it's a little bit I I know that my quality is in the hands of the, the director because like it, you become like this catalog of everybody and knowing what everybody did. And, and even if you're reading somebody, like sometimes directors will read me in and they'll have that, that performance in mind, which helps me so much, but it puts a lot of pressure on the voice director. I think um, when everything is done remote and indiv- individualized versus when, when we're in person, Mm-hmm. I just know from my own experience, instead of going like line by line by line by line and not having that scene partner, because sometimes directors don't do that with you, I know I'm not getting that nuance that I do when I have another actor who's like, wait, did you really do that? And I'm like, Ugh, of course I did. Just that that whole, Ugh. like, it's hard to get that authentic reaction unless someone's putting it on you. Do you do you feel that difference now in, in the way the world is with performances, especially from a director's perspective? Um, a little bit. 
it, you know, and like I, it, there's also so there's so many variables now that like that, uh, the actor is in their closet under the stairs, <laughs> trying to engineer themselves, and like there, there's there's so much distraction and challenge for them that like I I take such I have so much uh, empathy for for that, you know. I mean, in some ways, it is similar to the way it used to be in that like I, I, I we typically do do one actor at a time even in prelay shows like occasionally you know when we did Ninja Turtles sure we'd throw the the guys in the booth um, yeah. or occasionally we'll put a duo in there if we think there's going to be like comedic sparks but like <laughs> I really like one actor at a time interesting um, I, I feel like you um, when there's more than one person, you know, someone is bound to be just a little ahead than the other of the other person. And then you're focusing on that person who needs a little more attention and they get embarrassed and the other person gets bored and starts checking their phone. And it's just that one on one um, thing. Yes, you run the risk of when you put it all together, <laughs> nobody sounds like they're talking to each other. But that, <laughs> that's that's my job. And like, you know, I know how to to do that and then it's just like you and me you're in a very safe place i know the language that works best with you and frankly the times we have done multiple people in the booth like i don't know i feel like it hasn't been worth the worth it you know what i mean very interesting and i totally get what you're saying and i think uh for a lot of people that probably is the case where it's much more of a hindrance and uh, a distraction and then as a director you're managing in something that's very technical like voiceover is um especially like in dubbing when you're trying to match certain stuff i can imagine that being a whole other separate ball game but mm -hmm. it is it is much more technical than doing uh, on camera or theater where it is really this whole moving beast at the same time and the flow is 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 everything happening at the same time voiceover isn't necessarily that way because there's sound effects or there's monsters or there's you know uh yeah. there's a, a different cadence to things so i, mm -hmm. I i'm that does make a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. I'm just, I think, maybe, maybe very greedy. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, in prelay stuff, with stuff that's not recorded to picture, um, you know, I want to give, I want to give the actor the the flow of the scene. And so often we'll like read it. We'll do at least a couple takes where we just read the whole scene through or a big chunk of yeah. the scene. Because, um, like you said, there is that freshness of the. I want to add like a little yeah in response to what you did. And so I guess that's another good thing that that I am an actor. I'm probably not as good as the actual actor who's playing the part, but I can. <laughs> Throw, throw my best at it, you know what I mean? To try to, like, goad you. I'm going to yell at you here and see if that sparks some anger out of you, or you know what I mean? Or I'm going to dial this real super subtle and see if you take take the bait. <laughs> yeah, no, and I we appreciate that as actors, I you know, just because all different directors, and I was speaking with someone recently about this, you know, there's no right or wrong way to, to be an actor and have a process, as I'm sure there is the same for directing. There's no right or, it's whatever works for you, but yeah. I, I'm i the type of actor that appreciates uh, being given as much as possible. I think um, when I'm working with good directors like you, it's like I... I, I know that your your imagination for whatever you're going to bring to the scene partner character is probably better than what my imagination is. I, I like to focus on what I'm doing, you know, versus giving this other character a whole what backstory and assuming how they would do things. And so especially when you have someone who's very encyclopedic like you are when you digest all of the stuff that I've noticed and you just have a really sharp, keen sense for the the direction of the series and how things are going it's 
it's really refreshing and it's helpful. And I, I have not experienced that um, in every scenario that I've worked in in this industry. So, um, and I think that comes maybe from someone who cares about the final product too. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been in sessions where there's directors who are like, uh, hang on real quick, I got to check my phone or I got to take this call. You know what I mean? It's, it's um, do you have this sense of just really caring about the products and, and having a love for the, the finality of what everything is going to come together to, to become? Sure. Yeah. I think personality wise, like I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I should be more of a go-getter. I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm very Canadian and like, I don't want to like rock the boat. And so I I think my philosophy all along has been like, I'm just going to try to do good work and like do my best and that'll hopefully like get me to the top. And sometimes, you know, I've watched other people pass me by and get up to the top because of their savvy or schmooziness or, you know what I mean? And like, God bless if that's your, if that's your thing, great. But I truly believe a big part of what's um, kept me working in, in a, in an industry that, you know, can, can like that, just like have you out of a job is, is, um, person personality, first of all, just like not being an asshole. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's all good. But, um, also just being prepared and being like on top of it and like, um, you know, uh, actors appreciate that because, you know, if they're at a loss, I'm, I'm able to offer some sort of adjective or like perspective on the scene. Um, producers tend to like it because I'm prepared and it means we move at a slick pace. You know what I mean? There's nothing worse than like the actor does three in a row and then everyone's just like, yeah, um, Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, you've already, <laughs> like, do it again. Let's do it again. Let's be more enthusiastic. You know what I mean? Like, to yeah. just, we got, it's a fine, studio time's expensive. TikTok, like, let's, let's be concise. And, and I don't want to lose the actor. I don't want them to get bored or um, start to, like, suspect that you don't, uh, that you're not on the ball. Yeah, well, that is it, fair. And then I'm like, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very interesting, perfect storm. I think of experience and personality and all of these things that make a good voice director. And I feel like you've had, um, and I, I'm, I'm curious to even dive a little deeper into how all of those ingredients came to be because someone who's worked behind the microphone has had experience, um, whether it's. Um, outside of just being a voice director and, and communicating with people and having a good personality. It's, it's not, I've always, uh, with previous vo- people who I've talked with, who've done voice directing, it's a very similar story. Sometimes I feel like they started off as a voice actor and then one way or another, they get roped into doing voice directing and then they're good at it. And then they keep working at it. That's kind of, there's no, like, you know, there's no Berkeley school of voice directors, you know? <laughs> My parents still don't know what I do. They're like, (laughs) it's just a very interesting job and a very specific job that requires or maybe doesn't require, but the good, the people who are good and then you see continuously doing it, I think, uh, have a, you know, are in that position for certain reasons. So I, going back to you, you know, still pursuing acting and you, you know, you went to college and, uh, you moved to New York city and the goal at that point, was it to, all right, moving to New York, I'm going to work on Broadway. I'm going to start auditioning. Like what was your game plan moving into New York city? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole, that's the whole like philosophy of that, that, you know, theater school is like, we're all going to yeah. move to the city and live in Astoria and like, you, you know, <laughs> and everyone does it and that's great. Um, and then you kind of go where the, where the path takes you. Like I, I, um, uh, right out of college, this is the part I was going to circle back to, uh, right out of college, the first uh, gig I got was the, the tour, national tour of Pokemon Live. So it was like a live touring production uh, based on the show. Um, it was, you know, I, I was Giovanni, like the bad guy, the like Team Rocket's boss or whatever. Yeah. It was like a full like two hour musical, which um, which was fun. I mean, honestly, right, right out of college, it was like the perfect gig. They treated us great. We flew all across the country, stayed in nice places and got paid what we thought was oodles of money. Yeah. <laughs> respect for like, uh, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, a, a great, um, experience. And then, um, when the tour ended, the Pokemon producers were like, we have this new show. Do you want to audition? And it was Yu-Gi-Oh! And it just like got the, got the part of Pegasus. And then that was it. So just like, you don't know where your path is going to take you. Like I didn't even, I'd never done voiceover in my life, you know? And then you're just, you just figure it out. <laughs> wow. So it, that, that sounds like it was really fast for you. And also just a little bit serendipitous, but obviously you were good. Oh. And, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, luck has a lot to do with a lot of people's success, but it sounds like, I mean, also just knowing and hearing you and, and, and hearing you in that role, it's hard to like, imagine that role done any other way or performed by anybody else there's such a it, it like uh, pegasus was one of the first of those type of kind of he was a villain and but he also had that like reg, like regalness and very kind of like and, and that you've seen that character kind of appear in many different uh animes and animations and i felt like your your interpretation kind of a little bit paved a way for that type of character as well so well, it, 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 yeah. Go ahead. No, I, you know, and in, in the moment, you just kind of like base it on the the visuals and the and the script and that sort of thing. But like in retrospect, even I'm sure like other things are subconsciously are in your head. Like we've seen Scar and we've seen Jafar, and like mm -hmm. there, there's there's he kind of fits into that sort of ilk. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so I, I'm sure that stuff was in there too. And also I was, you know, the, the bad guy in Pokemon Live. So I was, you know, fresh. They were slightly different, but like, um, I think I was used to just being a diva jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you knew how to, to give that arrogance already from doing Pokemon. Yeah. So it's, it's just, so how did you even get the gig or become aware of the gig and just timeline wise? Like how many months after moving to New York did you get the Pokemon gig and how did you even because a, a lot of yeah. people listening, they're either pursuing some sort of version of acting. And I think this is a part that a lot of people get confused about or they get like lost in like the where do I start thing. So I'm always fascinated by like the what literally led to that first moment of you getting that audition or finding the audition um, and how long did it take for you to even get that opportunity or fall into the opportunity? Yeah, everyone's path is so different. You know, you talk to people who are, you know, still in the biz and that, you know, some people just like, you know, kept going to those chorus calls or those EPAs that anyone can go to. Right. Yeah. Uh, 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 for me, it was that, you know, at in Boston, uh, a casting director, Dave Clemens, um, came and did a workshop at our school and uh, 
And so in this, when we moved to New York in like May of 2000, um, you know, we, we just got a, a phone call, a handful of us who had, had just graduated from Boston and, uh, asked us to come and audition. And so he kind of, I, I guess it sort of scoped us out already from this workshop at school and, wow. uh, and like four of us from, from Boston got cast. So it was like, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, just lucky. I mean, there's so much luck to it, you know? Yeah. And then like towards the end of the tour, you know, the, the producer from what was called uh, four kids at the time, yeah. um, it is casting the show and was like, you should come in and audition. So a handful of us went in and auditioned and some of us got cast and, and then two years later, we're acquiring all this, like, um, this big block of time on Fox, you know, back when cartoons were on Saturday mornings. Yep. Um, we're acquiring all these shows and starting some from scratch shows. Are you interested in directing? And I said, yes. And I was still on a work visa from, you know, uh, and so like, it was a Canada. great, yeah, it was like, mm. that's not why I did it, but it also was like, <laughs> well, is this going to keep me in this country a couple more years? Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, wow. And it's so it's that that's so uh, I mean, it's a lot of luck. It sounds like the having the person come and do the workshop, but you also have to be good enough to get the job. So, yes, the luck element is probably apparent, but it yeah. uh, from your time then in college or at least from college to you booking that first gig, did you feel prepared or were you working hard? Like what were you doing to get to the point where you could even book a job like that right out of the gate? Yeah. I mean, I think we were, we were feeling pretty sharp coming out of college. Like this program, you know, there's a lot of great musical theater programs in the country and, and they, they prep you so that you're ready to go. You have your headshots yeah. done, you have your book of songs based on, you know, you know, the, the this genre for this and like, and, and also just like, what was I? 20, four maybe and like just that brazen confidence you have at that age it's like that, that's a that's a recipe for success like i don't i don't know failure yet i mean you do yeah. want <laughs> i don't know new york city failure yeah yeah <laughs> and then, and then you learn. but like you know i remember being in an audition and like i forget what i initially sang and then but then they were like you know have you bring sides from the show and perform some you know sing the song that's written for the character and then they're like oh you have i had a sweeney todd song in my book because i had done it in like summer stock i'm like i've seen sweeney todd at the pokemon live audition <laughs> it's like a stupid fearlessness that is kind of that we all could learn from you know like that I had just, that for sure too. I, I mean, I also had a Sweeney. I had my friends was in my book. Oh, oh, great! I mean, Sweeney Todd is one of my favorite uh, musicals, and I love the score of all that. I was. It's yeah. so funny because when I was in, and this will just be a funny tidbit that will lead to something that I think you may appreciate is like when I was in college, I fell in love with a lot of theater and musical theater and Sondheim and I became obsessed with like um, Into the Woods and all that stuff and acquiring all of this theater, musical theater knowledge. I, I saw you did Godspell. I also did Godspell. Oh, yes. um, yeah. You know, like we, I, I fell in love with all of those things. But before I was even falling in love with that, I also ha I always had an obsession with um, video games, anime, and voiceover. And at the school that I went to, I don't know if you – I have to imagine you know him. Um, someone named Bill Timoney came to my school, and he was – or he had done a performance of The Odd Couple, and my theater director knew it. And then Bill Timoney wound up becoming like a mentor to me. Bill Timoney hooked me up with – 
Anthony Salerno, Tony Salerno. Who? Yeah. So I wound up working on Tony Salerno's film, um, oh, doing like an associate wow. producing stuff with Peter Gannon. And so like I was like getting to know all these people. This is years ago. This is uh, 10 years, 12 years ago at this point or whatever this was. Yeah. Um, and I wound up doing like before this is like before my journey even really begins. I wound up doing um, uh, I don't know if you know Fatih, who ran a dubbing studio that did Turkish dubbing in that they all knew anyway. I was doing like Turkish dubbing in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, uh, so I'm working with all these people. I'm meeting Tony and Bill, blah, 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 blah. Starting out because I thought like I want to get back to doing voiceover for video games and animation. I fell in love with doing theater and TV and film, and then it wasn't until like way later that I wound up coming back to voiceover. But I remember when I was still trying to get my foot in the door to do animation and stuff. I remember being in the studio that you guys did uh, Yu-Gi-Oh in, and I remember somebody telling me like in the waiting because I think other stuff was also done there. They're like, "Oh, this is where Yu-Gi-Oh is made," and there was like a cutout of Yugi, I think maybe standing up. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, and I remember walking around and looking, it was maybe for like a commercial audition being like, all right, I really love doing like the f- film and TV stuff. But like, I felt like I was in like, uh, I was like, I got to get into doing this. I'm like, how do I figure out how to do this? Cause this, and I remember trying to like talk with one of the engineers, this older guy who maybe, uh, I don't know. I can't remember his name. I remember I reached out to like get my demo done. This is like 10 years ago uh, at this point, And it was just like, seeing that Yu-Gi-Oh was being done to me was like at that time a mecca like I was like I gotta get into doing this I wound up getting sidetracked and doing a lot of other things and it wasn't until recently that I wound up coming back to really doing video games animation all that stuff but I remember just being in that building and being like this is where this is where this is where the shit's going down is that where you that's where you were doing it in that studio in in the city I don't remember where which where it was yeah it's in Chelsea on 23rd street and like yes what was the name of that place uh, well, it was called Four Kids. Was the original company? Yeah, um, and then they became Four K, and now um, Konami owns them. So they're Konami Cross Media. They're called now. But was that the studio though? Was there like another agency that ran stuff that like I can't I can't think of why was I would have been in there. I mean, Questar. A guy named Questar had another studio there. Questar. Called, yes, that's who it was. Sync Sound or. Uh, something like that yeah this place but yeah yeah he had a studio that just like rented within within the space but yeah everything else in there was 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 Yu-Gi-Oh and um it still is I mean sort of I mean the office is still there I actually went there last week just to pick something up and I hadn't been there since March of 2020 so um, it was it was crazy to go back like no time had passed but three years had passed and anyways um yeah that's i mean that's uh, yeah that's where it, it, that's where we you know rehearse pokemon live that, that's that's that place is like a second home to me wow that's, i mean i didn't know that yeah i thought your your track was very voiceovery but that's interesting that you had like a a lot of yeah yeah, no, I was doing a lot of theater and film and TV, and, and I, I was doing commercial voiceover, to be fair. I was doing a lot of commercial voiceover and promo stuff. Like, I did the Nick promos for Nick Sports for forever, and that was paying my bills when I was doing a lot of other things. But um, I didn't I, – it wasn't really until probably 2019 that I was like, all right, I really want to start doing this. It's, this is the thing that's been paying me. And to wow. move, and then when I moved to L.A., I really started doing it. So, um, and you've done a lot of work with Tom too, Tom Whalen, yeah, yeah. So I was working with him kind of that last year, 2019, 2018, I think, is when I met and started working with Tom, and I was doing a lot of stuff. 
uh, with with him, and we were doing a lot of prelay stuff, um, and it was just so funny. I mean, he, he sings your praises. He was like, you know, anytime I need good talent, I, I call up Darren, and that's you know. Uh, he exchanged, yeah. He, he and uh, the Pokemon team, like we totally are always exchanging names and info and yeah it's 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 a great resource we're always looking for new talent and yeah i I like that we have that relationship a lot of the new york people do which is nice it seems and i'm curious now at the time it seemed like new york the the world of voiceover in new york was very it seemed very small it seemed a lot harder to to a certain degree to break in for one reason or another when it comes to animation because uh, I know less was being done it was a handful of studios that I could think of and video games wise it was like one studio uh, uh, whoever did Red Dead Redemption I can't remember who's out there doing um, but it did, does it seem like that was the case where it was a very insular uh, thing because it didn't seem like it was um, in LA it seems like the world of animation but New York it seemed very particular does that does that ring true to you or has it changed over the years yeah no i think you're right i think it has changed drastically um and you know i think the first show that i did like officially with with nickelodeon which might have been like 2015 or something like i actually spoke to the casting director danielle pretzfelder was there she's amazing yeah just incredible and uh and and, and like, yeah, she had said, like, we're, we're trying to really make a conscious, you know, decision that we're in New York. It's chock full of amazing actors, Broadway talent. Like, why don't we just focus a little bit more on the talent pool here? Mm-hmm. And of course, like, you know, it's still we still ended up with a cast that was, you know, L.A., Atlanta, everybody everywhere. Yeah. But I could see that they were making a concerted effort to 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 cash in on all these amazing um, theater performers. Yeah. Um, so that to me, that seemed like sort Sort of a, a, a pivotal uh, moment, um, mm. which is, I mean, that's, you know, the 10, 15 years I worked before that. Sure, there, we were still, I was still using um, local actors, but I think there was less, less work probably out there. That um, too. The industry the has changed. So, so much bigger now too, don't you think? Like, Absolutely. So, so many more shows from so many varied countries are being acquired and even major networks like Nickelodeon are, are, are you know, airing dubbed shows, which is kind of interesting. I think we're we're still at the beginning, I think, of popularity for a lot of dubbing content. I think, like, the floodgates were even though it's been around for a while and, you know, the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon Dragon Ball Zine has always been around, but with, with the access that the streaming websites have, you know, obviously we're in this world of, like, <laughs> everyone's striking yeah. against these people right now, but they have been bringing, um, you know, different content that is now available um, and being dubbed from various languages, not just, you know, the, the Asian countries. We're seeing content yeah. from all over the world being available on these mm-hmm. things. So I really think, and I'm curious what your opinion is, um, having worked with various different languages of projects, do you feel like this is, we're in the infancy of, of dubbed content um, being available, or do you feel like we're in kind of the middle of the stride of where, where it could be? I mean, I think we're, I think we're a, a good ways in, you know? And, like, part, part of what I love about my job is that um, I'm dabbling in both. Like, it might, it's pretty much 50% um, dubbing stuff and pretty and 50% uh, prelay stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think directors are getting used to doing both. I think actors are getting used to do both. It's kind of a weird technique, you know, that that might take actors a second to hook onto the whole ADR and 
recording to picture, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's another, um, it's yet another facet of, of voice actors gigs. They have dubbing, they have prelay, they have audiobooks, they have commercial VO, um, video games. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's great that it's all happening. What I, I want to ask, uh, going back to that audition that wound up getting you, um, Yu-Gi-Oh, mm-hmm. can you, can you remember that process that you had? Was it kind of like, Oh, this is interesting. Uh, I'm going to just record how, like, how did that whole process happen for you? Why yeah. do you believe that you got the role? Did you, do you remember making distinct choices, especially since that was your first time doing voiceover? Can you yeah. kind of recall like from audition to booking that process that happened for you? Yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, like trying to play it cool, but inside I was like, I have no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I don't think we got the script material ahead of time. So basically it was just like, uh, you know, an, on the fly, taking a look at the sides, which as, as theater actors, like fresh out of theater school, like, sure. You know, I yeah. mean, like to learn a Gilbert and Sullivan song in 10 minutes, like, I'm like yeah, I do this, you know? And then, uh, and that stupid fearlessness. Um, and uh, yeah, like ba- basically seeing the image of the character um, on the spot and then reading the script bits, like you sort of start to, to diagnose, you, you like your, your detective-y, um, you know, senses get heightened and you're like, okay, he's, he's, he's fancy. He's diva. He's also ruthless. And, um, yeah. you know, he, within this one script, he's like threatening to kill someone, but he's also like cracking jokes. So like, you know, what, what tonally do I want that to, to sound like, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I remember, you know, they put you in the booth, which with the, with the TV in it. And like, I'd never been in a, 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 a place like that. And like the yeah. TV's actually like showing the, picture as i'm recording like (laughs) super weird right yeah yeah you know and they didn't i don't think they cared too much about me being able to perfectly match what was on the screen i probably didn't look out much and and i don't honestly when i'm auditioning people either it's it's definitely like the third most important thing the acting's the most important the consistency of the the voice you're using the character is second important and then you know you can you can acquire those skills to speed something up or put a break here you know like that's the that's the easy part. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I remember, you know, with, within the audition, um, I kind of threw something in, I added like a little laugh or something on an off camera line. Um, and, and it made them laugh. And, and I just remember like looking through the glass and seeing like, like a little, you know, silent, silent laughter. And I was like, okay, so this, this went well. Interesting. Um, Director and the producer. And then I think it might've just, been one callback that, that that they had me come back and, and record a, a heftier chunk which included some duel, dueling just to prove i could like let her rip you know yeah yeah and then that was it it was we were i think it's the only role i read for wow <laughs> isn't that weird that's um, so crazy yeah yeah and I, so it's just the the right the right role at the right time and they were you know, nice enough to take, take a gamble, you know, on someone who they'd seen, they'd seen my stage work, you know, yeah. but, but it's, you know, it's still a little bit of a risk to throw someone into a cartoon like that. I think a lot of the cast actually was pretty fresh. They'd maybe done a little bit of Pokemon, some of them, but pretty new to the, the, um, what's the word? Media, medium. Or, yeah, yeah. 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 What, yeah. what about, um, 
how long, because I, I mean, this is a spoiler for anybody who's not watched Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I can't feel bad about this. How about how far along in was it until that your character Pegasus, like, I think he died, right? If I remember correctly. Um, yeah. How many seasons or how many years passed since that? Like, how many how many years was he on the show? I think he was just one season. I think it was just, like, 52 episodes. I could be wow. wrong. I could, I could be wrong. I should probably look that up, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and um, and I kind of, you know, the the funny thing was, like, I didn't really know. You don't really know where the story is going completely. Sure. They'll, you know, as the as the team kind of digs in, they're like, oh, by the way, you're gonna you're gonna kidnap this little kid, or oh, by the way, and like, <laughs> and then the ending, which is all about the the catharsis of like why he did what he did, and like he was so mean, but it was to say spoiler, it's to save his wife and all yeah. this stuff. It was kind of like a, oh, like a, a, a shock. And then also the fact that he, like, that that was his arc and it was over was all, I also did not know that, honestly, until that day that, like, I was done. What? And then what was that? And so had you already gotten the gig as the voice director at that point or no? No. So I was, I was, um, yeah. And like, I, I, I held no grudges or whatever, you know, it was all, it was funny to me more than anything. There was like, Oh, yeah. so, so this is it, huh? <laughs> you know? <gasps> That's yeah, so his, wild. Arc was like, his arc was over, you know, and they're so nice. They're like, Oh, we'll have you back for other stuff. And yeah. And it wasn't long before I got cast and other stuff there and then the directing and all that. Um, but yeah, it was sort of like a, a shocker at the time. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that's so crazy. I mean, again, he's such a, I mean, even, you know, we're talking what, 20, almost 20 years or 20 years now that people still love that character. It's such, it's so imprinted in my mind. Obviously the, the story has been going on for all these years too. And people still look at Maximilian Pegasus as like one of the, like the, the pivotal characters of the series. Um, it really, and it's, I think the performance has a lot to do with that. Uh, what were those years or those moments like in between? So, okay, you're done recording Yu-Gi-Oh! See you later. And then yeah. what, what was the connective tissue uh, between your life between then? And then how did the opportunity to voice direct actually get presented to you? Yeah. Um, I think the, the order of events was like, I was, you know, the, the Pegasus stuff was wrapping up and I took a, took a tour, uh, to get my equity card, took a theater tour. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was away for a few months, which I guess timed out pretty well because by the time, um, that was wrapping up, um, four kids was, um, looking for more actors and also sort of some more staff in kind of a pre-production way. I mm -hmm. think it was about then that they were like, Hey, we're, we're about to, um, to acquire these shows. And they were nice enough to let me like work there and sort of just work on pre-production things, looking at episodes of show. Like the first thing I directed was called fighting food ons. Mm -hmm. So like being kind of be able to like analyze that, organize some casting stuff, book some actors. Um, and then 2003 is when Ninja Turtles started. So I got back on board doing more acting with them. Um, and I think in 2003 was officially when maybe 2002 actually, where, um, they were like, listen, do you want to, do you want to like full on direct this show? And then just like threw fighting food ons at me and then slowly, you know, worked on, uh, I was the ADR director for Ninja Turtles and then show after Pokemon, you know, the show after show. I've worked there 
ever since. It's crazy, wow. right? And did you feel at the time like you were prepared? Was it scary? Did you feel like you had understood enough of how the job is done to to do it at that time? It was, it was scary. Like I remember in Fighting Foodons, like they cast they cast some heavy hitters. They cast like Veronica, Maddie Blaustein, Ted Lewis. Like it was it was a cast of people who were all. Lisa Ortiz, better and more seasoned than me. And like, you know, some, some were very helpful and coaxed me along and like, no, I, I think the line goes there. I don't think it, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I'm sure some people were like, geez, get, you know, pull the plug on this guy. Um, but, uh, luckily I kind of, you know, survived and got better. And like we talked about a big, a big part of the job is taking these individual performances and then making it sound like everyone's talking to each other and like it's a sort of a puzzle you know yeah. um i think especially those first couple of years is where i really learned how to make that puzzle you mm -hmm. know and have the, the forethought to know how intense or subtle the scene's going to be and to get everyone on board that train you know yeah i mean it's in especially to learn that on the job is <laughs> yeah. kind of scary <laughs> The first prelay show I directed too was there. It was called Chaotic, and it lasted three seasons. It, it was a great concept, and uh, and again, it was just like it's a prelay show. You'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> and I'm like, how, how, what? Like, how do I? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So you figure it out, huh? And what? And so having you know worked doing the voice directing for this long. Has there been any sort of um, change for you and your approach to how it's been done, like things that you've acquired or any words of wisdom you've gained or any mistakes you've made that have altered the way you've done things or you make it more comfortable? Like uh, for anybody who's aspiring to, to be a voice director, is there like key or pivotal things that you've experienced along the way that you wish you had known earlier? Yeah, and I'm still learning, you know, like I um... – I think, you know, as I've aged and just sort of, you know, become more um, comfortable with myself, both in real life and, and, and in work wise, you know, I, I think I, I know my worth a little bit more. I think I know what I can bring to the table, what, uh, why you might want me for a project as opposed to someone else and, and why you'd want maybe someone else for this project. Cause it's not quite right for me than, than me to, to kind of mm -hmm. know where I fit has been important. And also just sort of, um, Again, the Canadian thing. We're like, my, I think my my desire is just is usually I don't want to make waves. I want everyone to like me. And at times to know that you have to you have to sort of like not insist, but maybe push back a little bit. And like, mm -hmm. I really wonder if we should take the line this way because blah blah blah. blah you know, um, yeah. I would never disrespect the powers that be, but like it, sometimes a little challenge might be healthy and make the make the show better. I don't want conflict, but. But art is about collaboration, right? And and, mm -hmm. and, and opinions, and um, so I think I've learned that just to be just a little bit more assertive with that, while still trying to be. I need everyone to love me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, something that most of us, if not all of us actors, suffer with uh, is that balance of <laughs> making sure you know yourself worth, but also like at the cost of you must still like me <laughs> at the end of all of this. Um, and speak, and, and on behalf of actors now, I think this is the part that most people want to know is what is it as an actor that – Let's say somebody has never worked with you before or somebody you're hearing for the first time. What are the things that they can do or what are the like what really 
excites you about a name you've never seen before? Or what is, um, how do you go about standing about, like, what are the things that make people that you've never heard stand out amongst the crowd or for whatever reason, the reason why they booked the role? Are there any kind of key things that you always see time after time that distinguish that? Totally. Yeah. I mean, you listen to like how many auditions of the same part, you know, 50 to 200 takes of the, of the, of the same material. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And like, um, number one, you have to like, um, respect the material. I need to hear to hear that you're like committed to it and have made it, made it work. You know what I mean? It's not always Shakespeare, but like it's, it's quality enough that you should be able to make it work. And then within that, to add your thing on top of it, you have Mm. to add your stamp. Um, it, it shouldn't be the first thing. I don't want you rewriting the script and just going wild or doing a character that doesn't fit. It, you have to serve the material, but I want to hear your, I want to hear a dose of comedy somewhere. Even in the most serious of scenes, you can find something without a feeling forced that just shows a little of your personality. Um, yeah. And, and don't be afraid to like make, make the script your own a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, that, that's, that's key to me. That's the stuff that's going to make your, you pop and tied to that is confidence, right? Like yeah. you can hear someone who's, um, being driven by the seat, by the script or is in the driver's seat and is driving that script. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, for sure. There's a difference, you know, it can swallow you up. Right. And, um, that's the whole goal, isn't it? To take words that aren't your own and make them sound like they're coming out of your mouth for the very first time, you know? Yeah, I, all the time I'm trying to. I, I think every actor is always mining to find that that balance between, especially from a voice acting perspective, where you literally are oftentimes reading the lines off the page, trying yeah. to do everything you can to make it sound like you're not reading the lines off the page. <laughs> because in most of yeah. the other acting mediums, you have to be off book, and the stuff is just in your mind, and you're listening and responding to a scene partner. But voice acting is that very particular. Uh, facet of acting where the lines are in front of you and the 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 iPad is your scene partner to some extent. <laughs> yeah, I think I think too. There's like a sort of a people can get preoccupied with um, wondering what the team wants or wondering what what the right take is or yeah. the, the, the right choice. And like honestly, if if you do an audition and the breakdown is vague and you just do a really committed version of what I think is kind of the wrong take on the character. That's still callback worthy to me. That's still mm-hmm. like you committed to something you, you took dialogue and, and made it work. Um, and it was a hundred percent well acted and the character is consistent. Yeah. I want, I want to know more. I want to see if you could pivot to what the team's vision is, or I've pocketed you for some other cool role down the road. Um, just there, there's nothing to be lost by hundred percent. Don't dip your toe into a read. Commit to the read. You know yeah. that yes. commitment and and having the confidence to to make a bold choice, whatever that is. I think is, I think people get scared by that sometimes because they're like, oh, I don't want it to be too far because I don't want them to think I don't know what I'm doing. But I think yeah. you can't always please everybody, and you're not going to be right for every single role. So why not do that full yeah. commitment? And like sometimes I, I, I teach a lot and sometimes I can kind of see in the, in the actor's eye that they're like, does he just want me to overact and like chew the scenery? And like, no, I want it to still be real, but yes. I want you to think about the Muppets. Like think how crazy broad they go with nutty voices, but you, yeah. you buy it, you believe it because it's uh, the acting meets the, the character, you know? Yeah. Um, um, 
here's a little bit of a weeds in the weeds question, especially picking back off of you saying people are always yeah. wondering what the team wants for you specifically. <laughs> when in this world of self tapes, just because I had somebody ask me this recently, and I'm talking to somebody who receives these things. Let's say somebody is doing two takes on a character, right? They're doing that version that they feel is the safe version. That's the the thing as written or whatever. And then they're doing that version where they feel like they're taking a little bit more of a liberty. They're being a little bit more uh, free with the with the words that are written on the page. They're being a little bit maybe further away from the from the uh, the specs uh, written for the character. Which of those two do you want to hear first? I knew that was your question. <laughs> uh, I'm not everybody, and I'm sure everyone has a different take. And I'm not a writer, so I never feel like ownership over the material, you know? Yeah. Um, I would rather hear the personalized, quirky, the bigger swing first. Mm-hmm. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to, like, perk my ears up, and it's going to keep... I always listen to the whole thing, but it's going to sure. keep me really engaged. Um, and I'm going to, yeah. And then, yeah. And then the second take I'll understand, Oh, they did that first take because they're really feeling that. And the second take they're doing, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's what the breakdown said. So yeah, script uh, service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I would do the bold swing first and casting directors shouldn't, shouldn't not, stick around for the second take. I think that's people's worry sometimes. It's like they're going to hear five seconds and be like, ooh, that's wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's their job. No, I think that what you just said is very important. I think it's encouraging. I, I, I know that not maybe not is not the same for every casting director or however, but I think your philosophy is more than likely the case for most. And something that I try to do is I, I know I'm not going to – I know that I'm not going to get most because of how I sound and honestly how I look in addition to how I sound. I'm not going to get most of these young like cookie-cutter people, so I need to do what I know that I can bring my core to the table because if there's yeah. anything that's going to stand out it's going to be that because everybody can do the oh I gotta go get the the thing then I'm the hero and then you know like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so you know like that's part of it of course but I always you know and that's and I and I, I always feel I, I, I always get the things that have that little bit of uh, character that's got a little bit of like they might be a normal person but there's a little bit of a screw loose too and I think it's because I try to do that as much as possible do you do you incorporate yeah. that kind of when you're auditioning for things too do you try to like stay true to your philosophies as a, do you think as a voice director when you're auditioning yeah I, 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 well um, I, I do <laughs> put my little personal thing on it and yeah. I think that yeah, the only trick is just to make sure that like you also like honored the material. Like I would never be like do a character that you know it makes the dialogue no longer make sense. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, it, the line can be crossed, but I I want something in there that's me. And like I know yeah. I know my strengths. Like, uh, 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 not everyone thinks I'm funny, but like I I, <laughs> I know my brand of humor, and like I know I know how to to like sort of you know tuck that in there. You know, yeah. like. If, if if that's not right, then you know, then yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not meant to get it. You know, um, I was going to say something else about what did you just? Oh, right, right, right. Um, can I say one more thing? Yeah, please. Um, I, I think as a director, and I've been directing so long that like I really 
I'm, I'm, I'm used to like outside in, like, yeah, I figure out each character's motivation, but like, I'm so often just looking at the whole piece and like what that character's function is in this scene and that character's function is, you know, and like what he wants from her that like, sometimes it's hard for me to, to, to pivot to actor mode where I can think more from the inside out. Mm. Um, I feel like it's sort of like, it's it's a challenge for me and i'm enjoying the the challenge of it to just be like don't be director darren just like sit for a second just you know and just feel what my character should be feeling and don't worry about the cadence of that phrase or whether there's a noise in it you know what i mean like all these things that i've become preoccupied with as a director um i'm trying to get better at letting go of as an actor Interesting. Such a what a fascinating uh, uh, horse to have to straddle between knowing what like you what as the director what the final product should kind of be, but also honoring the nuance and the spontaneity of letting yeah. that go and and not being such a a, a stickler to the, the technicalities of the things that you, I'm sure you're as the producers are expecting you to be to a certain degree when you're right. when you're working. And when you listen back, yeah. it's, it's better. It's the takes where where I'm not overthought it are are so much better. You know what I mean? It's fresh and yeah. it's not the inflection that I had in my head, but it just came out different and good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. What what it, over the years. Um, whether as an actor or as a director, I know you just kind of talked about one right here, but what have been like, whether either working with a certain talent or experiencing something for yourself, is there, has there been some like moments where you were really faced with a challenge that you didn't know if you could overcome? Like maybe you couldn't um, connect with a certain character that you were recording for, or you were working with a talent that wasn't really right for something, or you couldn't communicate the right direction. Was there ever yeah. like a really uh, apparent uh, struggle you had to, you know, overcome in one way or another, whether you did or not, <laughs> I guess were made to be seen yeah i mean it, it happens all the time where there's like um you know just an actor who, who maybe like you know you have a harder time getting on the same page of and like the psychology of it totally um uh, tickles me like i love trying to sort of figure out like are you you know what i mean do you want me to talk like hardcore emotional actor terms mm. do you want to do some sort of method thing do you want to you know what i mean or like are you just about the the music of that phrase or i, I love trying to sort of crack the case on how people work best but there's always going to be um struggles and like you you have to consult your little director bag of tricks sometimes to like do everything but give them a line read you know what i mean like th- yeah. that's and even then, like occasionally, occasionally that happens, unfortunately. Um, or there'll be, you know, I've dealt with celebrities who've been difficult or just, you know, egos that are, um, and you just sort of have to sort of uh, keep on <laughs> pivoting and trying different things and uh, yeah. and try to keep your job. And uh, uh, yeah, I've had some definite challenges. I've had, I've had actors yell at me i've had (laughs) sure yeah i mean it's it's rare but it's like you know and like often it's 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 not about me it's it's something they're going through or it's that they um you know they've never heard people challenge them or not let them do their thing you know what i mean like it's um and and like my approach to be you know I, i don't provoke anger i don't i don't i'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, want, yeah. I want a good natured, fun um, uh, session. That's another reason I, I like people to sort of be funny in their 
in their auditions is like, it also shows that we're going to have a good time working together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the sense of humor is there. And like, we're going to do, you know, we're like, they're, we're, we're coming to the end of the current Yu-Gi-Oh series, like in 92 episodes later, I want, I'm still having a good time with these people because yeah. they're funny and engaging and real and kind. And that's important to me. I think that's inherent too when you think about like you're not making – I mean I guess there are probably series on HBO or Showtime that are animated exist. But by and large, people who are watching cartoons – and I'm not saying this is a stereotype but are – you know, they should have some fun. You know, cartoons are often to have those laughs enjoyed by kids by and large. Adults can enjoy cartoons too. I'm not saying cartoons are only for kids. But, you know, there should be some humor I feel like to – a lot of this content, even like when I think of like the, like uh, the old school Batman series, you know that, um, like there was so much comedy involved in what is a really dark uh, backdrop of Gotham and and characters yeah. like very you know stoic Bruce Wayne, but there was always a comedy or a comedic foil that always was coming to the forefront, and I think, um, sure. I think especially me. I mean, I, maybe not especially me. That's um, there. There are people who come into this industry and they're like, you know, I'm a very serious actor, and I'm going to show you how good of an actor I am, and that can get in the way of allowing you yeah. to have a quirky moment. Uh, right. That's that'll more than likely probably better serve the series, right? Right, right, and and like you said, I think I think coming from an acting background like I do, I, I get it. I get actors. Um, psychology not everybody but like i get what it's like to be isolated in in the stu in the booth with a pane of glass where you see seven people's lips moving and they're talking about you and you don't know what they're saying like there's there's a lot about this gig that like could make you an insecure hot mess you know what i mean so i i i'm fully aware of that and try to like you know break down those walls as much as possible so i don't um, think there is a job <laughs> is, i'm not I, listen i haven't been doing that, that that long but i still can't get over the idea i still can't remove myself from the idea that at any moment i might be getting fired from whatever it is i'm hired on no matter what i do i it's like i can't get that idea out of my head do you do you experience yeah. that to some degree and we've all, I mean, someone said this to me once, like we've, we've all gotten replaced on something. Yeah, you know that, I mean? that is true too. There, it, it happens where like, you're just not right. Or, you know, you, you have a bad day or a producer can't make up their mind or like, you know, like, it, and it sucks. It, it really sucks, but, um, you know, it, it's going to happen so yeah. that you, know, you, you, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm in a, I'm in a good place recently. I go, I go through ups and downs, but like right now, I'm pretty good at like aud doing auditions and letting it go, just doing my absolute best. And you know, there's occasionally times where like, if I don't, I, I get down to myself and like that, I should hold myself accountable for that stuff. But as long as I've done like what I think is, is top notch. I'm going to believe that it's going to lead to something and somewhere down the road, you know, um, it's going to pay off and it does, you know? Yeah. And like you, you said, that. if it's not that role, it's maybe it's another role or it's another project and it's about consistently showing whoever right. it is that are working on these projects that you can bring something worthwhile to the table. Um, yeah. I'm doing a, 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 um, a gig right now at a studio that like, I haven't worked at for about five years. Like we, we recorded at this studio and then, you know, the, the show ended and great. And then I went off, off to other things. And then five years later, they, they called me and, and had hired me to, to direct something for them. And I was like, 
that that's amazing but i think it's also just because like we had a good relationship i did good work i made them laugh i was diligent you know what i mean like yeah it it, it pays to to be that way remembering the importance of being a good person first is, is <laughs> kind of apparent here i have two, i have two more questions for you and then i'll let you go one is just yeah. because of a series like Yu-Gi-Oh that has really stood the test of time here and continue to be popularized and um i mean people playing the, the trading card game is still extremely uh, popular right now it's have you noticed uh whether as you know someone who's performed in it or directing it or just seeing the series and the fandom from afar have have you seen a shift in the way that the show is being made or something that you have to do or the way you're a part of it like what has been the thing that's evolved um over these years with the series that you've kind of noticed yeah um yeah, I mean, it, it, the 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 first series was the first series, and like it made you know, I think it was at the 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 probably the height of its popularity. I don't know the viewership, but like I would guess, you know, that's when the it had its highest viewership, and um, and you know, I, I'll go to cons, and I was just at one, and like you know, people who watched it when they were ten are there, so they're like thirty. Yeah years old now and like it's amazing to hear their stories and like to to feel the connection you know and so for me who's worked on every series since of, of Yu-Gi-Oh like to know that that was that and what we're creating is different and like yeah. um the tone of each of the series has been slightly different and um you know and I, I think that's been a, a calculated um thing on Konami's end just to like you know like uh, the series before this Yu-Gi-Oh! Brains was very mechanical and very dark and like mm. end of the world type stuff, which was exciting. Um, and then this recent series, it was a total pivot. It's very, it's brighter, it's younger, it's easier to duel. It's um, real. I think really funny. I, I, I'm loving it. So I think they've been really savvy with, with figuring that out and also knowing that who's going to watch Yu-Gi-Oh sevens isn't the same person that watched, um, the original series. Mm. It's, it's just not, maybe it's their kids, but, um, it's just a brand new, um, audience. Yeah. So. Fun. I mean, that's great. I think when a series does that, uh, you know, like you could just keep the same thing running and running and running and that's fine too. But I, I think, yeah. uh, people enjoy it when there's something different or a different flavor or something different to yeah, explore. I mean, and they, they knew what they were doing too, that they like, you know, it's, you know, Ash was there from season one to now, like, yeah. uh, well, um, uh, Yugi wasn't, you know, they were like, we're yeah. just going to start over with a brand new hero. And like, that's gutsy. And, and, and it's also just given them a lot of, um, liberty to create a brand new thing in a brand new time frame with new, uh, adventures <laughs> yeah new adventures to come so it's been and on the last note here what for you personally as someone who is um you know both an actor and a director um from a consumption standpoint is there certain things that you're watching that give you inspiration or has there been a performance lately that really inspired you um or is there just something not related to to watching or consuming that's inspiring you and your artistic creativities like what are what are the things yeah. that are bringing you artistic kind of fulfillment and inspiration right now yeah um the golden girls uh, heck yeah <laughs> Um, honestly, I mean, and this, that's so cheesy to say, but like, it, it's always been my favorite show and it really is sort of like what's in my head every day as sort of comedy 
comedy template, comedy gold. It is comedic um, gold. It really is. <laughs> and people laugh at me all the time for it, but it's it's constantly in my brain. There's always, uh, every day there's a line from a show that I'm directing that I'm like, oh, that is so when Dorothy met the blah, 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 did the, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't always say it aloud because the actors I work with were born in, you know, the year 2000 and no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> But, uh, but it's in there. So honestly, that that to me is always sort of running through me. Yeah. Um, and then I I just I was so bowled over by um, Turning Red that the the Pixar movie yeah. this past year, and particularly like I mentioned in my class Sandra O oh, in my classes all the time. Um, just like, did you see it? I did. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Just that, like you know, she's so um, subtle and. Um, almost on camera acting in the first half of that movie. And then not to give away what happens, but the second half of the movie, she is like larger than life. And like, that's just proof that like when, when, when the role calls for that, you need to go there. You need to like commit and be a freaking monster. And you know what I mean? And like, um, I, I really admire that someone like her, who's, has an on-camera career primarily just new to just like, I just got to dial this up and let her rip. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I, I really um, appreciate that. It's a great movie. And I'm going to ask, this is, this will be the final question. And I think it's a great one. Who, who is your favorite golden girl? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I always said Dorothy just because of the dry yeah, sense of yeah, humor. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, was, uh, yeah, but I honestly, honestly, like when you watch episodes, um, what Rue McClanahan did so often was like took, she didn't always have the punchline or, you know what I mean? She didn't always have the joke, but she could take a scenario and just like milk it for like multiple laughs in yeah. a row. So in a way, she's just, there was just such a brilliance to that that I'm like, she, she might have been like the secret killer best actress weapon on that show. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Are you a Dorothy? What's your yeah? Dor- I mean, I I adore just kind of that dry humor and just kind of the fear, like the 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 ferocity that can come being so dry. And it's something that I yeah. think a lot of a lot of other shows are trying to take that archetype in some way, but it's never the same. I've never seen a character quite like that, and maybe it's just a testament to how good um, yeah. she was um, yeah. playing that role. But I'm a my my. Uh, my partner Allie, it is her favorite show of all time. I mean, most of <laughs> our refrigerator is filled with like a a magnet uh, version of the of their of their like house, their living room, and she like moves the too. things around. You yeah, have that? I do. Uh, we have like all these glasses of them. Like it's great, and she she really got me on to. I was reluctant at first, and I really she she's like, you think you like comedy? I'm like, I'm like, there's like, I'm like, there's no way this is as good as Seinfeld. There's no way it's as good as this. And she was like, you need to watch this. And then yeah. when I did, I was like, wow, this show is mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah. It is one of the greatest. And this is for anybody, like like you were saying, a lot of young people who have never watched a show. It's so helpful yeah. to see these comedic masterclasses in every episode for completely different characters and comedy in all different ways. That's the biggest yeah. lesson to me as an actor. Is like it's not, it, comedy doesn't just come from the person who's – it can come in all different shapes and sizes, and that's what I love about yeah. it. I totally agree. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's like all different versions of comedy and they're all funny. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. (laughs) We're rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm right now. And, um, 
uh, B. Arthur shows up in, in one of the episodes and it was like, oh, a, really? I didn't know that. yeah, she, I, I mean, she plays like, um, <laughs> there's a moment in the show, there's an old season spoiler alert, but Larry, uh, David, who is, is Curb Your Enthusiasm, he, he like has a, a near death experience and he dies and B. Arthur is up there. And I think she plays like one of his, uh, I, I think she plays his mother. Um, and it was just so great to see her. It might've been one of her last performances and it was just like, well, oh my gosh. gosh. I'm such a sucker for, for a, a lot of older um, female um, performers. Like, yeah. I just have such the Golden Girls, Joan Rivers, Elaine Stritch, just, just like every one of that. Do you know that there's a musical Follies? Have you heard of that? Yeah, musical? of course. Yeah, and it's like, it's they always cast it just with like chock full of like older celebrities. And it's just, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like we should mount that show every year just to like plug. Yeah. You know, whoever the latest uh, elderly actor is and, and watch them work. Have you seen the show Hacks? Yeah, love it. Oh my gosh, that was uh, one of the best performances I've seen, and it's like a really I, I'm, I'm like, it's hard for me. It's more so on camera because I audition like I I auditioned for that show so many times for so many different roles. Oh, wow. I have like I have like performers bitterness against that show, but I love it so much because uh, it's so good. But it's hard. Do you for read for Gene Smart's part, or are you? I read to play. Uh, no, not Gene Smart's part. I read to play like a couple of like the uh, there's like a some a, a character in the new season that's going to come out. I I have to play what's his name the manager's assistant the young guy. I read for like another small part just you know like uh, but it's yeah. like it's always hard to ha- to separate yourself from like fuck that show I should have been on that. <laughs> uh, I still have yeah residual bitterness I'm sure about certain yeah. things. But, yeah, um, but. Yeah. Darren, this has truly been such a pleasure. Um, thank you for coming on the show and sharing such insights. Seriously, you're you're someone who I your name comes up all the time just because of how good you are at what you do, and your reputation is that of somebody who truly cares and is a good person. So uh, I was just so you happy too, to have man. you on. It's great to, to you know to see your work as an actor, but you're also fabulous at this too. It's amazing. <laughs> I just, I mean, listen, it's selfish. I get to, to talk with people and learn every time I do this and, and hopefully other people residually get to, to learn too. But, you know, someone who constantly puts out good stuff, I always, you know, uh, I, I think you have the, the opportunity to work with a great director like yourself. It's, you can kind of just sit back a little bit. Not that you don't have to do your own work, but you're, you know, you're in good hands. So I, I appreciate you being I'm gonna the kind send of you a, a real of all my worst work, just so you can see. Like. <laughs> I'm not that great. No, 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 no. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Are you do? Is there any um, any cons that people who might be interested should be looking forward to, or any kind of announcements that you would love to plug, or anything of that sort that you want to make note of? Let's see. I'm doing a con at the beginning of July in, in Lansing, Michigan, which is going to be fun. Um, so there's that. Yeah. And then just work-wise, I'm, uh, we're still uh, you know, finishing up Yu-Gi-Oh! 7s. We've got a, another month or month and a half of records for that. It's airing on Hulu and Disney, one of the Disney things. Um, yeah. And just it just never ends. Always yeah. something. Those are the things I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming on, Darren. It's been a pleasure. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.
Uh, I truly mean every word when I say that Darren is great at what he does. We've only worked together for a short period of time on a couple of things, but it was, I, I was just telling him before I let him go, it was one of the most memorable moments that I had. I really feel like he set the bar for what I expect working with a good director. He just is really invested. He keeps the, the ship moving. He keeps you in great spirits. He makes you constantly feel like you're collaborative to want to try new things. It's um, it's really everything you could ask for as a as an actor. And I hope anybody here who's aspiring um, or is just you know thinking about making a move into uh, pursuing voiceover or even voice directing really kind of heeds Darren's advice of being a good person and just being authentic and true. And because that's what he is. Everything you get from Darren, everything you see from him is who. He really is. And that goes so much further than you being the best actor in the world. Because if you're not a good person, people don't like working with you. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, you got to be you got to be someone people like to work with. And they're going to spend four hours of their time with um, and potentially even more if it's a recurring character. So, uh, yeah, new Gi-Oh, guys, what a what a treat to uh, be a part of a series like that, that he has and to help um shaped the series and its success for as long as it has been um i'm just a a huge fan in that regard and darren's worked on so many great things so um i hope you guys enjoyed it please like subscribe and do all that other great stuff so other people can find the podcast uh we're also offering a subscription thing here on spotify as well if you're interested in getting some uh exclusive episodes and access to certain things that other people won't be able to there'll be more information about that as it goes um but it just helps us be able to make the show and um make more great content. Uh, I really appreciate you. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your days, weeks, months, years, Uh, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.